Good morning, ladies, or evening, wherever you are. I wanted to share this interview with you. It's, it's obviously like you might cry during it, I'm just going to say. I was bawling, and then after we finished the interview, I actually had a, such a big cry. Um, my beautiful friend Lexi, who I met in Aspen, she actually had a blood clot from being on the pill in her brain, and um, she had multiple brain surgeries. And it's funny how... So many of us, like, well, one, a lot of the doctors don't actually tell us that there is a risk of getting a blood clot. And when we are told there's a risk of getting a blood clot, a lot of us go, oh, well, that won't happen to me. I won't be in that 5% or I won't be in that 1%. A lot of us do that. It's like, oh, yeah, only 1% of people get that or only 1% of people, like, whatever. But you could be that 1%. Now, don't go say, like, oh, my God, so I could be the 1% of the plane that crashes. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying. Like, we're saying in terms of, because actually like you've heard, I'm sure many of you've heard the stories about 9-11 and how people had this massive gut feeling of don't get on that plane and they didn't and they survived. So, um, I feel like that's a whole nother thing. I was actually living in New York with 9-11. Anyway, whatever. It's like, for example, actually 9-11, my dad that day, cause we were living in New York, he never ever drove to work. Like you don't really drive to work in New York. Like fuck that traffic's too bad. You get like the subway, but he, for some reason drove his car that day. And that was the reason he'd get out of the city that, that, um, that day when it happened because they shut all the subway stations down and, and whatnot. So trains weren't running. So everyone was really stuck, but he randomly took his car that day, which allowed him to get out of the city and take some friends with him. Um, and it's like, my uncle was meant to have a meeting in the in the twin towers that day. And then his train was late or something or other. And somebody else we know, like a similar thing happened, but he like slept through his alarm, like intuitive things. Anyway, this is different. This is like, you know, science tells us there is a 1% chance being on the pill or whatever the chance is that you could have a blood clot. And, and you say to yourself, cause it's just, it's just being like fucking naive. I mean, yes, it's also being positive and it's being naive a little bit. Um, of that's not going to happen to me. But the thing is, it can happen to you and it actually happened to Lexi. And there are many girls every year that die from being on the pill. It's not an unknown thing. It is a very known thing that you can die from the pill because you get a, a brain clot. A brain blood clot is what I meant to say. So this episode is all about Lexi's story, this cacao and convos. It's about Lexi's story. Um, we talk about being in hospital, things that we've learned, just the process, the mental battle as, as much as the um, physical battle. It's a really beautiful um, podcast and I just want to honor her for being on it and sharing her story and being so vulnerable with us. Thank you, Lexi. Um, I really hope that you guys enjoy it. And this is an episode that I would definitely love for you to be able to share on your Instagram story or with friends or whatever, because it just helps women to see like the pill is not something you want to fuck around with. It doesn't just like, oh, it sounds good. Cool. Done. It's like this needs to like be a real consideration. If you want to go on the pill, that's totally fine. But like I've said many times before, I just want you all to be fully educated about the pill before you just jump to it as like a quote unquote easy option, because it's actually not that much of an easy option. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I hope you love this episode and I will talk to you all very shortly. Hello and welcome to the Feminine as Fuck podcast. I'm your host, Monica Yates, a period and ICF certified women's life coach, and I help women to harness the power of their period and connect to their feminine flow. In these episodes, we will be talking about all things periods, hormones, confidence, health, food, money, sex, business, feminine flow, your brain, energy, and all the stuff that goes through our heads. You will walk away from each episode with new chicken nuggets and truth bombs, as I don't have a filter and I love talking about all the shit that people are thinking but too afraid to say. Okay, firstly, tell me about these ribbed condoms. <laughs> <laughs> why do they, why are they, we're talking about it and referring to my microphone and how it's ribbed and looks like a dick. <laughs> so what's up with the ribbed condoms? The ribbed condoms, they feel really, I haven't used one in forever. Holy shit, Madeline, this fucking cacao is like drinking pure cacao. Mm. It can dark, just how we like it. <laughs> Could be a fucking tagline for an ad. Thick and dark, just Trademark. how you like it. Trademark. <laughs> um, okay, so everybody, this is Lexi, also Lex, Alexis. Any other names? Okay, cool. Those are my faves. Um, and today we're having cacaos and it's 10 p.m. at night. So we won't be able to sleep afterwards. And this is a really special um, cacao and convos because I haven't heard this story from Lex before, but Lex is one of the 1% of girls that had a blood clot 
when she was on the pill. So in case you don't know, when you go to the doctors, they may or may not tell you some of the um, major risks of being on the pill. And one of them being uh, blood clots. And you can die, like many, many women die every year. Not like many, like we're talking thousands um, of women die every year um, from blood clots with being on the pill. So it actually isn't uncommon. And a lot of us fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, I won't be that woman. Oh, it's not going to happen to me. Like that, like, it's just, it's not going to happen to me. Well, unfortunately it happened to Lex and luckily she's still here today with us. Yes. So do you want to share with us your amazing story? Yeah. Um, just go wherever you want to take it. Okay, cool. So, and then you can and ask I can, any questions. Yeah, 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 perfect. So I was a sophomore in college or university. Okay. So that was my second year. Yep. Yeah, I, Australian translation. Yes. <laughs> um, and I had just, I had a really weird summer and I had gained a ton of weight and I couldn't shed the weight. Like I was... The puffiest I had ever been. Like yeah, see, puffy is a good word. When we're on the pill, it's like puffiness. Yeah. Like you exploded like a fucking puffer fish. Yes. That's because of the estrogen. Yeah. Continuous. And my mom was really worried about me mm. because I was running, I was training for a half marathon, mm. and then I started getting up to like eight or nine miles, and I would have these really bad headaches and would feel really nauseous and wouldn't be hungry, and it was so weird because I was running a ton. Mm. And it was the beginning of school, so it was, it actually happened two weeks ago, nine years ago. And so it was fall time in Colorado, and so it was, I remember it being like, just kind of, it was warm, but like very crisp air. Oh, love it, my fave. Yeah, it was really nice. Actually, not as good as snow, continue. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty much, I was in a sorority at the time, and we had sorority camp or whatever, rush camp whatever it's called and I remember just being so tired like I would go to the camp and or whatever the hell it's called I ended up dropping um but I would go and I couldn't get through the days like I would just be so exhausted and so then a couple weeks went by after that had happened and I had one migraine headache and I had my friend take me to the hospital because Tylenol Advil like nothing was working Mm. And we went to the hospital, and they gave me this drug that I grew up having migraines. So because they had the history, they didn't think it was anything concerning. Can I pause just for a second? Yeah. If you have a history of migraines, you actually shouldn't be put on the pill. It's super dangerous to be put on the pill with history of migraines. But a lot of us don't even tell our doctors mm-hmm. that we don't think it's a thing we we kind of we 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 create so many of our health problems we we think they're normal like we normalize them we yeah. normalize bloating we normalize migraines we don't even think to say we're on the pill when they say are you on any medication nope i'm not on any medication the pill is a medication yeah and um actually the pill that they put me on it was a brand new company yeah and so i was just on like the tester once yeah, okay. and the doctor was like really pushing it Anyways, that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, couple another week goes by and I go to some party. Oh, so you had the migraine. I had the migraine. They put it you went on away. drugs and then that was it. Yeah, they like left me at okay. the hospital. Like they were like, go home, just get rest. Okay. Blah blah blah. About a week goes by and then I go to the party with my friends and it was, I don't know, some like day party. I have one drink, not even. And I started getting the worst headache again. Mm. And so I go home and I tell my friends, like, hey, I'm going to go home. Like, I don't feel well. I have another migraine. Uh, I'm going to go rest. And then I go home and I go and I sleep for, like, maybe seven or eight hours. Wow. I wake up. I'm, like, super out of it. I'm still really dizzy. I have, like, numbness in my fingers. I had, like, big blotch of like circles like Mm -hmm. white spots in my eyes and I really didn't feel well but I felt a little bit better than like the pounding migraine that I had beforehand and also during this time I remember having like the worst neck pain ever and I thought that it was just normal that having neck pain like that like I was like oh I've just been really stressed anyways I have a little bit of dinner I go to sleep, I wake up two hours later, and I cannot stop throwing up. And that went on throughout the entire night. It lasted for 13 hours, and I pretty much had to beg my friend to take me to the hospital. Wow. 
she like she had class and she was like I really need to go to class and I was like no you need to take me to the hospital or I'm calling an ambulance so we go to the hospital we go to the ER and they're like okay you were here a week ago let's do a CAT scan immediately they find the blood clot in my brain and then I the last thing sorry, I sorry they find a blood clot in her brain yeah what the fuck so they found it and like the way that the brain works is you have um, veins mm. that drain the blood that go from the front of your brain to the back. And one of the main veins in my brain was clogged. So it was like pretty much like a pipe that had been clogged. Mm. And so during that time, um, I the last thing I remember is my friend sitting to the right of me, the doctor to the left. I was still really nauseous, so I had, like, a tub. Mm. And sorry if this is too visual. There is nothing to my in here. Okay. Go for it. And I remember he tells me I have a blood clot in my brain, and I'm on the phone with my mom, and I couldn't even speak. I, like, throw up and just give my friend the phone. And I was, like, like all I could say was yeah. talk to my mom. Yeah. Tell her to get on a flight to come out here. And so the next thing I remember was waking up in ICU and, like, just having, like, cords attached to me. And I woke up and my mom had, like, gone on the first airplane Mm -hmm. over to Colorado. She lives in California. Mm -hmm. And... Were you in Denver right now or Boulder? I was in Boulder. Okay, cool. And, um, yeah, they... They told me I had a blood clot in my brain and I was on blood thinners and they were going to hope that it would, like, thin itself out. And so it was pretty much a waiting game for me. How stressful. Yeah. Um, Your poor mom as well. Yeah, I've got a migraine right now, everyone. Not a migraine, like a headache. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my brain is, like, just, like, coming, like, (laughs) it's reacting to it. Yeah, and I was still in a lot of pain the first few days. Like, I was on a lot of morphine, a lot of drugs, um... I was, as my mom would say, a pretty shitty patient. Yeah. Since I was oh, like, I, I, I always a shitty patient. Really impatient. Yeah. I didn't want to eat the hospital food. Oh, fuck no. Ew. I demanded smoothies. Oh, yeah. I'm like, please, bone broth on tap. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, I think that I kept a pretty, like, positive attitude throughout all of it. And that really got me through. So, I was pretty much in denial in the beginning about it like I thought I was going to be okay I was planning on going back to school that semester um I thought I was going to be fine I didn't let my mom pull me out of school I didn't realize the severity of what I had yeah and it wasn't until I got out of the hospital so I was there for like maybe a week and a half Uh uh-huh maybe more yeah they released me from the hospital because I was going literally crazy. crazy yeah um, kept me on blood thinners and told me to come back in. And, like, they, I kept on getting routine checks of MRIs to check on the blood clot. Yeah. And then they tested me for all, like, the clotting disorders and everything, and I tested negative Were you still on the pill? Everything. Did they tell you to get off the pill? Oh, yeah, I was instantly off the pill. Okay, cool. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and so I went back to my apartment, and the day that I got back there... We, I lived in the basement, and it mm-hmm. flooded. So, wow. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. I'm getting this story mixed up. That okay. was after. So, first, I went back to the apartment. I was there for, like, a week and a half, and my vision started getting really fucked up. And so my right eye started going cross-eyed. Whoa. And this was because pretty much we have spinal fluid that drains through our spine, and from the bottom yeah. of your spine, there's, like, a pump. And that circulates throughout your entire body. And this is running your entire lymphatic system, mm-hmm. which is so important. So for, important. For your immune system. Healing, everything, inflammation. It, yeah. Yeah. And so my spinal fluid was too high and it was pushing on my optical nerves. And your optical nerves are in the very back of your brain. So you can actually, if you like put pressure on the back of your neck, you can kind of feel where they are. And so I was having, my spinal fluid wasn't draining properly, so all the pressure was in the back of my head. Fuck. And it was, it literally was making my, me cross-eyed. So 
when I would be in a car, it would look like everything from my right side field was going into the center of what I was looking at. It was probably the trippiest thing I've ever experienced. Whoa. It was like, it was kind of like waking up in a nightmare, being like, this is my reality. So I had to tape one eye shut for a while. And once they figured that out, they instantly I was readmitted to the hospital Mm -hmm. and I had a spinal tap and it was so awesome. My dad flew out for that and he literally held my hands throughout the entire thing. Mm. So I was awake for that and pretty much they put a really big needle in my back and then drained all the spinal fluid. But it was, it was probably one of the biggest releases I've ever had in my entire life. When I had, I had Quincy like maybe two years ago. Quincy is when your tonsils, they fill up with fluid and they start to close your throat. (laughs) Disgusting, right? So, um, initially I had tonsillitis, had to go on antibiotics and then it wouldn't go away. And anyway, and I started to not be able to breathe. And of course, like I might try and tell myself, suck it up and like fix it with essential oils. No amount of essential oils is going to cut this shit. Right. (laughs) And, um, and mum thought that I was like just being pathetic and whatnot. But then I got to the point where I couldn't breathe to the hospital. They had to put a needle into my tonsil and drain Ooh. all the fluid. It was disgusting, but it felt like it's an immediate release. Yeah. Yeah. So that release was incredible. And um, I'll never remember that day after that happened. I like, I just wanted to be outside. Never remember or never forget? I'll never forget. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'll, ne- I'll never forget um, walking. I did, went on this walk with my dad. And pretty much a doctor came in and told me that I needed to be rushed into surgery. Like, I had, like, however many hours. Like, they were planning this surgery. And so I asked them, I was like, can I go on a walk with my dad? And so they let me go outside and, like, go on a walk through this beautiful park with my father. And I just, like, started asking my dad about, like, dying and death and, like, just, like, really coming to terms with it. And it was so crazy, but, like, I really felt comfortable and also so sure that I was going to be okay. But it was such, like, a healing experience to have him there and just, like, hear his whole outtake on it. They're together or they're not? They're not. Okay, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, And I actually wasn't talking to my dad before this. Okay. Because he, like, didn't really want to pay for university for me. Okay. So it was such, like, a healing experience. Beautiful. And um, just a little side note... I had written in a journal, like, beforehand, yeah. all the stuff I wanted to manifest, mm. and one of them was healing my relationship with my father, Aww. and um, everything that I wrote down had manifested itself wow. within, like, two months, Yeah, which was really powerful. So, anyways, I'm rushed into that surgery, and pretty much they go in, like, I'm still awake for this, Yeah, and... It's, like, microscopic, so it's not, like, an open brain surgery. Okay. Oh, but it was brain surgery. Yeah. Jesus. My head is, like, pounding right now. (laughs) Continue. And I remember being awake in the room, and it was, like, so fucking trippy. Wait, you were awake when they were in your brain? A lot of the times for... I know, they are, but I kind of, like, didn't really... You have to be, like, partially awake. awake. Yeah, yeah. And I had food that morning, so they, like, for sure couldn't put me under... But yeah. I've always had a huge fear of going fully under. Okay. I, like, don't. It is, it is scary. It is... I've gone under so many times, and it never gets easier. Like, yeah. it's, al- it's always scary. Yeah. 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 I mean, losing consciousness. Mm. Weird. So, anyways, then after that, I was on something called a TP drip. And mm-hmm. so, not to get, like, too technical and nerdy, but it's pretty much like putting Drano down a pipe. So, you're pretty much... I pretty... I had an IV attached to my neck that was within my brain and it was like dripping oh my god that is disgusting down oh my, my god to dissolve the blood clot oh my god and I was in neuro ICU and it was really intense um I know like my mom was so like everyone was so worried about me of course it's so hard. I remember like my parents were worried about me for a fucking ski accident let alone a fucking brain thing yeah so But, like, I was still in so much bliss during this time. Like, I cannot lie. Like, I was so blissful. And he was also, like, partially the drugs. It was definitely partially the drugs. Like, they really calmed me down. And then at the same time, I had, like, really traumatic experiences. Like, hearing Code Blue in the middle of the night was always so frightening for me. What, at uni? No, like, in the hospital. 
So, like, at night, like, oh. I would hear code blue, and that means that someone's, like, their heartbeat's stopping. Yeah. And so, like, I had experiences like that. I had experiences when they would give me anti-anxiety meds. Yeah. And the nurses would try to wake me up in the middle of the night. I would, like, swear at them and tell them to, like, go fuck them. <laughs> so that oh, was... That's the worst thing about hospital, being woken up, like, every 10 seconds. Yeah. It's so shit. Yeah. Um, are you alive? Are you alive? Yes. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, well, they'd have to take all your vitals. And, I know. Oh, God, yeah. And then I would apologize in the morning. I'd be like, was I mean tonight or was I nice? Yes. <laughs> um, so definitely some really interesting memories being there. Anyways, so they clear up the blood clot and they pretty much tell me I need to stay on blood thinners for a while. And by that time, that's when I got out of the hospital my body hurt. I had, like, lost probably 30 pounds. Yeah. Like, it was insane. Like, yeah. I had lost so much weight so quickly. I was so weak. I get back to my college apartment, and it's the, my room is fucking flooded. Fuck. And so I'm literally moving shit out with my mom and my roommates. Post-brain surgery. Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> And that's at the point, and also there was fires, really bad fires that year at the hospital, so the hospital smelled like a fire. They almost evacuated us. So at that point, I was just like, get me the fuck out of Colorado. Mm. Like, I love this place and I want to go back, but like, I need to go home for a little bit. Yeah, of course. And so I, I go back to California and I get on a really good regiment of pretty much sleeping like a cat about yeah. like 12 hours a day. Yeah. I was eating really light, like I was obsessed with oranges and yeah. tomato soup yeah. and sparkly water. Yeah. It's like all I loved. Yeah. And was started meditating. Yeah. And started listening to like Deepak Chopra. Yeah. Guided meditations. Um and writing. That's like all mm. I did every single day. And um it How was beautiful. like it was a really lovely time. Yeah, so how fucking nice. Meditate all day and sleep. Yeah, it was it felt good, and my mindset was, like, I was going to heal from this, and I knew it. Of course. And um, during the time, I was really adamant to get back to uni and to get back into my studies mm-hmm. and heal. And so I kind of just, like, during that time, I explored. Like, I went and visited my aunt and did horseback riding. And yeah. I wasn't even supposed to do that, but I was just like, I don't care Yeah. if I'm... Like, I need to live every single day like it's the last, in a sense. So, then right before that, I go, I was down in Southern California, and I get a doctor, get a doctor's call in Northern California, and I was so sick of the doctors. Like, I was Mm. spending also a lot of time there. Yeah, of course. And I get a call that they found something else in my brain, and I need another surgery. And so, three days before Christmas, I have a scheduled surgery. Babe, I fucking get this. I'm sorry, there is something about having Christmas, having surgery on Christmas, where it makes it 20 times worse. Mm Mm-hmm. That was the worst part about my ski accident, that it was Christmas time. Yeah. It is is unimaginably terrible. Like, especially if you're a person that loves Christmas. And I love Christmas. Like, (laughs) it's probably my favorite day of the whole year. Yeah, so I watched Elf on repeat. Beautiful. I was very high. Yeah. And my doctors were very sexy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What is it about, like, whenever you're like, I don't need sexy men right now, they will be sexy. Yeah. I get that. This is like, so... You, and you're, like, looking terrible. You're, like, crying. You're this so, is so embarrassing, oh, oh. but... I get it because even for tonight I dressed a little bit nicer because yeah. like I wanted to just feel more yeah. elevated. Yeah. I fucking curled my hair the day before the surgery. <laughs> babe, babe, no, the amount of times I shit you not I, before, before surgery with my knees, I fake tanned, I've curled my hair, <laughs> I go with makeup because I'm like, I'm gonna run into somebody fucking hot. Like when even <laughs> even when I had my ski accident, my surgeon, like he was fucking fixing me. You're, 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 because a man is fixing you, there is sexual attraction, right? He wasn't exactly that terrible looking. Always cute. Why are doctors always fucking cute? Yeah, they were gorgeous. Oh, fuck it. Maybe yeah. it's like a ski doctor thing or like a, you know, like I had my surgery in like Tahoe. He was cute. Yeah. And then Colorado. Maybe everybody needs to just come to Colorado and hang around the doctors. Well, this was, in, this was at Stanford Hospital. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Neurosurgeon. Okay. Yeah. So even more sexy. Like, you're fixing my brain. You're so smart. So One of them was, like, kind of a dick. Okay. And then the other one was, like, hot and sweet. Oh, fuck. So, yeah. Beautiful. Um, anyways, had that surgery and had, like, the most surreal experiences being a 19-year-old in the hospital. <sighs> and in Boulder, I got a... Sh- I had my own room. So, mm-hmm. like, I had full privacy. When oh, I was at Stanford, oh. I shared rooms. Oh, God. And that's what really, like, woke me and shook me. Oh, that is so bad sharing your room. It was just so surreal with who I shared rooms with. Like, okay. I shared a room with a girl that was pretty close to me in age that was an athlete. And she, her entire head was, like, stapled. And I remember, like, trying to talk to her just to make sure that she was okay. And was just, like, so freaked out and kind of, like heartbroken for this other person and soul and then the other person that I shared a room with was in a coma and their family was literally saying goodbye to them and I witnessed all of that at 19 and it really really like they should not be allowed to do that in like a fucking shared room I know but it was a the energy of that I know it was and you're like marinating in that energy it was intense but I wasn't I was in each room for like a day it was like a quicker surgery than that so, anyways, um, dying to get home Yeah. that Christmas. I don't really remember Christmas that mm. year, but I was so excited to go back to school. Mm. So, pretty much the doctor clears me, says, like, I have to be on blood thinners for a couple more months. And then yeah. once I went back to get my head checked... Then they would, like, make the call of whether or not. They don't yeah. want to keep me on them for too long. Of course, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I go back to school, and I just, like, was so excited to be there. Had, like, the most positive attitude. My friends, I remember during the time, just were like, you were so positive throughout all of that. And I feel like that's what really got me through it. Yeah. Oh, that and faith and yeah. trust. Yeah. Like... And knowing that it's for a higher purpose. Yeah. It's like, I, like I'm the, I don't think I would have been able to get through. Because although the physical element of surgery is bad, personally, I think the emotional and mental side of it is worse. Yeah. The fact that you lose all independence, the fact that you are relying on people, the fact that, like, you can't, you, like, well, I mean, I'm assuming you had to, like, rely on a lot of help. Like, when I had my ski accident, it was, like, mm-hmm. couldn't even wipe my own fucking bum. Like, it is, like, dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the worst part of it. Yeah, so you kind of lose yourself a little bit. Yeah, I I actually felt like the closest thing that I'd ever feel like this in this lifetime would be prison. And yeah. I was oh, like, oh, like knock on wood, like I never go to prison, but like it was it just felt more, like that. It felt like prison to me. You're in prison. Yeah, I had a moment. I pulled out an IV once, and like mm. blood, like I wanted to be out of that hospital, out of the hospital so badly. Um, like the air quality for me was really oh. hard. And you guys are used to, like, the fucking cleanest air here. Yeah. Yeah. And just going from wanting to be, like, a young college student, like, I was so blindsided by all of that happening. Yeah. You know, um, it was really a trippy, surreal experience. And it's really hard on your family and your friends. Yeah. And I feel like people don't often talk about that. And like, I wasn't really aware of it until well after my last surgery with my leg Mm -hmm. when I was talking to mom and I realized, you know, she kind of told me the severity of the impact that it had on her and my dad. And I had no idea. Like I knew that they, that it was hard for them seeing me in that much pain, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea that they were like crying themselves to sleep every night. Like I had no idea that they were in so much pain and like that, that like my heart hurts thinking about that, you know, yeah, totally. and um, and it does feel like you're in prison. It feels, I mean, I mean, you would have been in the same situation of the positivity and the faith. It really does get you through it, knowing mm-hmm. it's okay. It's happening for a reason. And with my ski accident, it was always it's happening for a reason. It's fine. But you have those moments of like a full blown tantrum. You have those moments of why is this happening to me? Why me? Like. A hundred percent. Yeah. That mental aspect is the hardest to get through. Even with doing physio. Yeah. It's this constant mental battle. Yeah. And it's fucking emotionally draining and it's hard. Yeah. And I, I must say I was so lucky that I didn't 
I mean, I lost 30% in my vision, so I lost my peripheral vision. Wow. Which is kind of hilarious that I'm a photographer now. Wow, yeah. Um, and that was really the only damage, and, like, I have a whooshing noise in my ear that I get sometimes when I lay down. Like, I have, like, little things that yeah. still happen, but they're very subtle. Um... But yeah, I felt so lucky and blessed for my life. And it was yeah. such an awakening. 100%. It's, what do you feel like the purpose was, actually? I mean, it was my spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Not that I had not had ones that were closer to it before that. Like, I, you know, in high school, I was very up and down with my emotions. Uh-huh. And I started doing yoga, and that was, like, the only thing that helped yeah. me. But I feel like it really woke me up to just, like, live and realize to be in this present moment. And, yeah, it was was the spiritual awakening that you read Mm. books about or Mm. that you hear people of, like, them changing their path. And it was that chance for me to choose the life that I wanted to live and to realize that I actually had a choice. Oh, so amazing. Are you at a stage now where you feel like those those few things that are left over, like this, the whooshing and the loss of peripheral vision, mm-hmm. that you can see that as part of your story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't notice them as much now. Like, the, the vision thing is, it's only on my left side. Yeah. I've actually started having the belief that I could heal it. Oh, you 100% can. Yeah. 100%. Um... The whooshing has gone down the more that I, I think it has to do with my lymphatic system. So yeah. the more that I do like self-massage, mm-hmm. Abiyanga, which is like an oil massage, mm-hmm. the more that I keep on like nourishing my body, the less that I notice Beautiful. the symptoms. Amazing. So, yeah. You could a hundred percent heal that peripheral vision. You just need to start like pretending that you can see it. Yeah. And then it will come back. Like it's just muscle memory. Exactly. Like your brain can do it. Yeah. Um, and... The more that I, with my, like, for example, like, I have a lot of problems with it still. Like, it's not perfect. It doesn't feel perfect. It's fucking frustrating. I can't, um, you know when you, like, crash down, you can, like, sit on your heels? Mm-hmm. Like, with a baby, I, I can't do that. I don't know if I'll ever be able to. Oh, wow. Which, to me, actually, like, it actually, like, hurts to think about that. It makes you feel, like, emotional because I don't know if I'll ever be able to, like, sit with my kids on the floor like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've learned that it has to be part of my story. Yeah. I'm like, there's, I don't have, like, if I can't fix it, I can't fix it. Yeah. And I think I can fix it eventually. It's going to take a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the more that I, so I had to do obviously a lot of surgeries, but for me, like the energy side of this is also like so important. So when I, after my first surgery, I had an abscess in my leg right after the first surgery, which mm-hmm. is very unheard of, especially with somebody so young and so healthy. But it was because I had a catheter when I was in the hospital and it was so traumatic Mm. and I was holding the trauma from my bladder in my knee. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so... It's so funny. I hated the catheters. They're just... They are horrendous. I refused them. Yeah, so after my surgery, because it was a massively long surgery and it put me under for so long and under such a heavy dose of anesthetic... When I woke up, my brain was awake, but my body wasn't. Mm. So my digestive system hadn't turned on. My organs weren't, like, working properly. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't poo. But, you know, when, like, I could feel that I needed to do a shit, but I couldn't shit. And I remember sitting on the toilet, and mum sat on the toilet for, like, I'm not joking, she, not on the toilet, she sat on the floor, not joking, next to the toilet for, like, three hours, holding my leg up so that the, 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 uh, the blood wouldn't drain down. And I just kept trying to be, like, come out, come out. Like all they want to do is a fucking good shit. Right. And, um, they had to shove a tablet up my bum to make my poo come out. And I mean, it was great poo, but it was <laughs> traumatic. Yeah. I bet. And like to them, it's not a big deal. They don't see it as anything, but it's dehumanizing. It is, it is the worst experience you could ever ask for anybody to go through. Yeah. And, um, it, I held, I held, I held so much of that trauma in my body, mm-hmm. which contributed to the lack of my knee being able to heal. It actually healed very, very, it healed a lot faster than what the doctor thought it was going to heal. Um, and I did a lot of meditation around it, a lot of gold light, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, like I held trauma from the, the catheter and the bladder, like down on my knee. And now when I do like, um, when I do, like body scans on my knee, there's no dense energy. The energies of my knee are the same, so they're both as happy as a pig in mud. 
But when it comes to me, like, kneeling or doing, like, certain, like, I can't, like, I basically can't put a pile of body weight through my knees Mm -hmm. and, like, kneel. And that's quite frustrating. But um, I know that over time it will disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you have to see it as part of your story. Yeah. Like, literally, it is part of my story. It has gotten me to where I am today. I don't think I would have been so like fuck I need to do something about my feminine if that didn't happen to me because that Mm -hmm. was literally like it literally broke my masculine side it was like stop like on a physical level stop no no I'm sorry it broke my feminine side I'm on the physical level of like stop pushing and Mm -hmm. slow the fuck down Mm -hmm. this is my left leg and um it's just fucking incredible it is incredible and I definitely felt like there was a lot of hard hardness Mm. around me before mm. this had happened and there was a lot of softening yeah and surrendering you have to be vulnerable whole, yeah from this these, whole experience these experiences like you have no other choice but to ask for help and rely mm-hmm. on other people and be vulnerable and be kind of like go into your cocoon again and go into like your mama's womb and just like be supported mm-hmm. like you don't like every like people are doing everything for you and you have to receive it yeah you can't be like no i'm an individual fucking woman yeah like, you're like, no, I'm not actually, I need everybody around me. I can't shower. I can't make my own food. Like, it's a, um, it is a raw mm-hmm. experience to go through. And it's also one that really, like, puts things into perspective for you. Yeah. Little things, like, it made me realize how grateful I was that in the middle of the night I could get up and take myself to the bathroom. Yeah, 100%. Like, and it was, it's those little tiny things that you realize, like, you take those little things for granted of mm-hmm. being able to get your own glass of water, being able to make your own lunch mm-hmm. that some people don't get to do and yeah. that, and it can be taken away. And who is it? I think it's Brene Brown that talks about it in her documentary of, I think it's her. She interviews all these people that have had like, um, you know, injuries in terms of their motor skills and whatnot. And they've had, mm-hmm. they've had like brain injuries. Mm-hmm. And the thing they miss the most is the little things yeah. they miss getting their own glass of water, taking themselves to the toilet. And those are the things that we're so often not grateful for. Yeah. We're, we're only grateful for, like, the massive paychecks, the extensive holidays, which are all amazing. Mm-hmm. But the little things are actually the things that you need yeah. the most for, like, your humanity. Yeah. And so going on from that whole perspective, mm-hmm. I felt like I've always been kind of like a kid where, like, I notice little yeah. things but after that, I became hyper aware of it. And mm. so, like, a drop of water yes. on a leaf was, like, so beautiful to me. And the fact that I could go outside and see that was so amazing. Oh, my God. I actually, like, like could cry just talking about this. <laughs> yeah. So that's what was incredible. And just, like, so I, I moved back to Boulder and I started, like, having rituals where I would, like, go down to the creek and, like, walk the creek. And it was, like, always so calming and, like walking the neighborhood during suns like sunsets was like such a gift or making dinner with my friends was such a gift it is and I felt like I truly lived life to my fullest after that and was like definitely known as a bright light within my group Mm. of friends and there was definitely trauma that I experienced during that time and it's really interesting because it's taken almost, it's taken nine years to unravel it. And I still feel like I'm unraveling a lot yeah. of it. And I think that's what's so crazy is that from these experiences that are stored in our body, that it's stored at such a cellular memory, like, it's like the DNA will keep on reproducing itself mm-hmm. until you actually do something about yeah. it. So even in the past, like, two years, I've gone through so much unraveling of just the fear and the trauma of going through something like that at such a young age and not actually fully processing it Mm. and it's really given me an understanding of like kids that get sick at a really young age and then it like doesn't hit them until they're like having a midlife crisis um so that's been really really beautiful of just actually letting that unravel and me trusting my body Mm. and like seeing that it's the temple that it, it makes is. you have I actually could like burst into fucking tears and I'm just like we're talking about this and I'm thinking about like Beaver Creek oh my god I'm thinking about Beaver Creek and when I was last there and like what it will be like when I'm back and it just makes like I remember that first time that I could like walk like yeah. or even just like when I when I messaged you guys the other day when I was like walking in the trail and I ran for 30 seconds 
Like, I haven't done that in, like, two years. Yeah. And, like, you don't realise, like, like for example, like, for ages, I, I would never let myself, like, train home at night time from an event because if, if God forbid, so, there was something dangerous, I couldn't mm-hmm. run. Like, I couldn't run away from things. I, I, like, you're, you're not able to protect yourself, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't a scenario of, like, oh, but the adrenaline that would be pumping through you would be able to do it. It's like, no, 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 I didn't have the muscle in my leg to be able to run. Like, Mm -hmm. this shit takes so long. And even just, like, I, like, remember the first time that I could walk without my crutches or with one crutch from the bathroom five steps from my bedroom, five steps to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it, it just makes you realize like how, how amazing your body is. Yeah. And it makes you just like, like, fuck, I don't even know what to say about it. Like, it's just, it's insane. And honestly, my ski accident was like the thing that made me have so much appreciation for my body. Mm -hmm. I never like, I never look at my body now and go, like, oh, you're too fat, you're not good enough, you're not toned enough, like, like, I, I actually, like, from my ski accident, I don't know whether it will ever go away, but I actually have a lump on the side, on my left side of my leg, of just this, like, um, like, it's fat, but it's, it's like my bum, like, slid, because obviously, Mm -hmm. like, you lose all the muscle, Mm -hmm. and it slid to the side of my thigh, and, I don't know whether it'll ever go away, but I kind of love it about me now because it just, it tells a story, right? Oh, quick. Yeah, like, if you look at both my knees, this, like, my left kneecap still has a pile of scar tissue in it. It'll probably eventually go away. It takes a long time to break down. Yeah. Um, but, like, you can see that in a picture and, like, my leg looks a bit different to the other leg. And, like, I just can't look at my body and judge it. Like, I just think, like, if, so... I was told after my ski accident that if I have this, if I had the same accident on the outside of my leg, not the inside, mm-hmm. I would have lost my leg wow. and it would have had to be amputated because it would have burst in one of the big massive blood vessels and I would have lost it. Wow. And when I heard that, it just made me go like, like, I just like can't, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. Like my body is working. It got me through the most like stressful experience of my life where I, I could feel my body thinking it was going to die. Like I remember lying in the snow and just wishing that a helicopter would come and grab me and I would, like, I would fall asleep. Like, I thought when you were in that much pain, mm-hmm. you would be knocked out, like, because your body's in that much pain. I don't even know, I don't even want to know what the amount of pain you would have to be then to be knocked out. Like, your own body, like, knock you unconscious. Um, well, the, the adrenaline's, like, I know, it keeps you going. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but I, it, that ski accident made me realize how sexy and how beautiful my body is and like my confidence went from like good to like extraordinary Mm -hmm. after my as in like my my body confidence of just like I don't give two shits what someone is like my body if they don't like it cool and don't fucking look yeah like that's my attitude now I'm not from like a mean way but from like a I fucking love my body I have so much appreciation for it Mm -hmm. every day it is healing still from that ski accident the stress that it went through was a fight or flight. I am dying. Keep myself alive. Mm-hmm. I have like I can't complain about my body whatsoever. Yeah. Like it is a fucking temple, and I'm not just saying that to be like, oh, my body's a temple. Like no, it truly is. It's a fucking temple. Yeah. Like, which ugh. is interesting. You're bringing this up. Yeah. Because it d- definitely plays into my story. Um, just a little backstory. Yeah. In high school, I totally had an eating disorder. Yeah. Like totally messed up relationship with food. Oh, me too. Yeah. And I think pretty much every girl did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm speaking to all of you Yeah, <laughs> because we all are told at such a young age or I grew up in LA for a part of my life yeah. and like compared myself of course. so hardcore. And yeah, I, after that whole thing happened, all of that shut down and I completely went into my yoga practice and mm went into such a like calmer more spiritual place yeah that was such a gift it's a beautiful place to be in so much quieter yeah um and I felt I didn't feel like I was I felt like part of this was like if you were to ask fate or destiny I felt like this was fate Mm. in a sense for all of this to happen it just it was so powerful and it felt so almost karmic yeah with the way that it all unraveled I knew when I had my ski accident, like, it happened for a reason. Yeah. I knew when I was lying in the hospital bed, I was, I was so upset, obviously, like, second day of a five-week ski holiday, Christmas Eve, not exactly ideal. Mm -hmm. I was so upset, but I actually felt so much guilt 
because like dad had paid for an expensive ski holiday and he was I I fucking wrecked it mm. like you know what I mean so much guilt and I my dad never the first thing I said when I had the ski accident I looked at dad and I said I'm so sorry and my dad was like what are you fucking sorry about Aww. but like I was just so I was just so sorry because I think once you are out of school and you're working for yourself, you realize how expensive things are. You realize that a ski holiday is probably the most expensive holiday you could take a family on. Mm -hmm. Like, especially around that fucking peak time. Like, you couldn't choose a more expensive holiday. And my beautiful dad had... Are you going to cry? No. Oh, my beautiful dad. Like, anyway, whatever. I was in hospital and I just knew... It was happening for a reason. I didn't know the reason, but I knew it was happening for a reason. And and I wasn't... And back then, I wasn't as spiritual as I am now. I didn't have the same amount of trust. I, I don't even think I really knew the law of attraction to this level. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely wasn't in... I've, I've My work has expanded so fast, so and such a deep level um, from this ski accident. I felt like it opened me up yeah. to all these new things. Um, and... And, but yeah, I just, I knew that it was happening to me for a reason. It was all going to be a beautiful divine thing. And I've, I've met a lot of the reasons, but I think there's more to come. Um, but if I didn't have that, like that trust, I don't know what I would do. I don't, I don't, I actually don't know how people live in the mindset that everything happens to me. And not everything happens for me. So for me, it's everything happens for you, not to you, is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't know how people don't operate with some sort of trust, whether it's God, the universe, Buddha, whatever it is. Yeah. A higher power. Like, I actually don't know how you could live without that because every day I rely on that. Every day it makes my life easier knowing that, like, things are actually not in my control. They're in a better control. That's all happening for a reason. Yeah, 100%. And I I think that a lot of the time it's our intellect that, Mm. like, the wrong intellect makes you think that things are happening to you or being out of control. And I would say that sometimes these kind of things happen so that you can wake up. 100%. And, um, yeah, I mean... As you know now, I'm super into meditation and yeah. just, like, being in nature and yeah. art it's beautiful. and all the things. Yeah. So. This um, has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. I can't believe I cried in it. <laughs> but I, I, it's funny. I just keep thinking. I think also being here in Colorado and I, it's just getting closer and closer to the ski season and I'm really preparing for it. Mm-hmm. And I can, I, I can just – I continuously see myself, like – sitting on that sofa, remembering the conversations I was having with my boyfriend. Like, my boyfriend broke up with me because I wasn't texting him enough during that time, right? Because I was, like, on cloud night on the longest list, like, the longest list of drugs. I remember taking this picture of, like, my my elixir in the morning um, before everyone went to go skiing and I would Mm -hmm. stay at home and then mum and dad would, like, swap shifts and I'd I'd stay on the sofa until mum would come home. And then once she'd come home, I, she could then take me to the bathroom and she'd make me some lunch and get me some water. And um, it was a fucking hard time. Like, How long ago was that? This was... Oh, my God. What the fuck? Um, this was t- end of 2017. Uh, Beaver Creek would have been beginning of 2018. Okay. So, so it not was... not that long ago. It was... Wait. That's not right. No, not beginning of last year. The year beforehand. The, 2017. Twenty. I think it was 2016 that I had the ski accident. Yeah, and 2017. Because the whole of last year... Fuck, maybe it was. When did I move to Sydney? Yeah, it was. It was. It was the beginning of last year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now we're in September. Yeah, yeah. Beginning of last year. So beginning of 2018, I think. Um, and, like, one, obviously time flies. Mm-hmm. But um, I just remember so distinctly, like just these like little things and it's incredible how these like tiny little memories will have such a huge impact on you and I don't think I ever want to let them go because I think they're really humbling things like these I don't think I ever want to get I, I can get rid of them if I want to in my brain but I don't think I actually ever want to because they're not traumatic things they're actually like the most humbling experiences yeah um and and they're beautiful 
But what's really important, so I actually said before about like muscles and what we, we hold in our body and like what I was saying to the other day of doing physio mm-hmm. and just doing these certain exercises. I'm like, I just walked out of there bawling my eyes out because like, I was just like frustrated. All the frustration came up of like it being so fucking hard and like, will I ever get there? And this is like so annoying and it's so hard and I feel like my body's letting me down, but I know it's not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you just think like, these are experiences that I see so much beauty about my ski accident. There's so much beauty about it. Yes, I get emotional, but I get emotional because it was one of the most heart-opening experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that I – I'm actually so grateful that I had the ski accident, as horrible yeah. as it was. Um, but people have horrendous childhood traumas, and you hold that shit in your body, and they aren't things that you want to hold on to. Yeah. They cause they're, – they're not heart-opening things. They're heart-closing things. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we've we've done a lot of work to get rid of a lot of the trauma that we're surrounding in terms of the negative things. So we only realize the positives of them now, of our experiences. But for those people that haven't um, done the work around their trauma, like, that shit is causing seriously – serious physical manifestations. Yeah. It's D- actually a documentary. Disease. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a documentary on Netflix called Heal – and it's this I've lady that it. yeah, a lady that goes around and, and interviews all these people and it's it's remarkable, but it's also like not surprising and mm-hmm. like it's so fucking obvious. Of course if you're holding on to all this physical dense energy in your body, of course it's gonna mm-hmm. manifest into something crap. Like there is no like it's it's not uncanny with the amount of disease that we have and the amount of stress and the amount of trauma and the amount of shit going on in society and we are having disease after disease after disease. We're all getting so sick. We're all having all these physical manifestations and it's insane. It is insane. It's fucking insane. It's and I feel like the only other thing that I really want to add to this conversation yeah. is like learning meditation. Yeah. And like how healing that has been. Cause like you seriously unravel everything through that um especially in our society so meditation is masculine dance is feminine and you can do meditation through dance but um i've realized actually just over the past few months i stopped meditating for a while and i was dancing a lot more but i mean this is obviously depending on the person i'm very fiery so for me my adrenals are the thing that always like cause me the issues Mm -hmm. um because i'm very very a type but in our society you need stillness you do and I've, I've come through, I mean, the practice that I do is Vedic meditation, Mm. which is very well known in Australia, but I think that sitting in that space and realizing that you can literally transcend anything Mm -hmm. and that there is no past, present or future, that it's all one time has been the most healing thing for me because I've been able to even change my story around this whole blood clot and around everything. And that's where I've really been able to find myself to heal is by empowering myself through this story instead of disempowering myself. Yeah. And I think from the time that it happened, I could have gone a completely other way and let everything unravel, not going back to uni. Mm -hmm. But I made the choice to do it, and it wasn't just easy. It was fucking work. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This shit ain't fucking easy. Yeah. Like, I... No matter how much faith and trust you have, it yeah. is not easy. And I was I was pre-med at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I was... I wanted to become a doctor. Wow. And looking in at such a different... With such a different lens and perspective on our medical world, it was kind of ironic because in high school, I had to write this thesis for one of my classes that was like a pre-med class and I wrote it on preventative health care and realized like how important that is and yeah I feel like meditation in itself is preventative health care oh. Oh, okay so in Australia we have a quote-unquote preventative health care system we fucking do not Okay, so when you study at uni, like, this is what I learned in my bachelor, that we have a preventative healthcare system. Yeah. Uh, there is nothing preventative about our healthcare system, right? Meditation will be an example of that, right? Energy healing, mm-hmm. okay? Clearing your space, yoga, mm-hmm. exercise, um, you know, self-love, childhood healing. Yeah. That is preventative healthcare. Fucking yeah. the pill is not preventative healthcare. No. And, but anyways, a a teacher did that was a doctor mm. that I had a class with pretty much broke down disease in such a different way that had ever been explained to wow. me of how it's not it 
the root cause of a disease you'll never be able to find in Western medicine. Yeah. Necessarily. And Western medicine will save your life. Oh, a hundred percent. It saved both our lives. Yeah. It's there for a reason. Yeah. But it's the fact of doing the small things that add up to the big. hundred percent. And so I, I feel like since then I've just been so grateful for, you know, beautiful crystals yeah. like this. I know. Where's my other one? He's my other one. <laughs> I want to hold it too. Um, and having a daily practice that helps me clear out my mind so yeah. that I don't develop more disease yeah. and more stress in my body. Yeah. And stress is a really important thing to constantly be kind of, um, what's the word? Like counteracting, mm-hmm. right? Like you obviously, you want to be preventing, I say that like, you want to be actually preventing your response to stress is really important. Yeah. So our nervous system is like so wired to respond so quickly to stressful situations, but you can train your body that something stressful can happen. You can be like, okay. And you actually won't let your body get stressed. And I've trained myself now with that, which is amazing. Yeah. But, um, the meditation, what other things do you like doing? Journaling? I love journaling. I mean, I would, the one thing that's like my do or die is meditation. Mm. And so that's why I'm bringing it up in this because I feel like it's, been everything to me in the sense of unraveling my entire story and really breaking it apart Mm. um and really getting into a place of bliss I mean the meditation that I do is pretty much your mind goes beyond thoughts yeah and it's effortless yeah and simple and natural and innocent and so then creating your life and mirroring your life on that actual foundation and having a foundation where you're actually Seeing that once you clear your mind, you're going to have to clear your space. You're yeah. going to have to clear anything that's energetically holding you back. 100%. Has been amazing. So, I mean, I go through phases now. Like, I've gone through a crystal phase. I've gone through reading spiritual book phases. I've gone through, like, I fuck all of this. I'm going to rebel and, like, go out and party and, like, yeah. dance my ass yeah. off phase. Like, yeah. I've done all the phases and they're all healing in some way or another. Yeah. And I feel like the universe or nature is just going to really show you what you need for the time. You just have to open your eyes to it. 100%. And this is what I talk about, about like, I really, I don't advocate for a, find one thing and stick to it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because as a woman, especially, we have different archetypes. We have that version of ourselves that wants to go out and just let your hair down and dance until daylight. Mm-hmm. We have the version of ourselves, we want to be in a cocoon and just like meditate and journal for days on end. Yeah. You know, we have all these different versions of ourselves and the more that we can actually surrender to them and fulfill those parts of ourselves, the more in that bliss state we're going to be. 100%. And I love meditation, but for me, what is so amazing is sitting and watching things Mm. so like just being here and like sitting in the morning and staring at the mountain or like i'm gonna fucking cry again what is up with me well that's meditation seriously yeah oh yeah yeah or like staring at the snow falling like there to me when snow is falling i i turn into a child again it's mesmerizing yeah and i turn into a child again snow is so beautiful it's like Stuff is falling from the sky, but there is no sound. Mm -hmm. Like, it is magical. There is just something so magical about it. And, I mean, I don't necessarily have a particular morning routine, but I have things in my toolbox Mm -hmm. that I pull out for, that I pull out from, depending on what my body needs and what I feel like my soul needs. And sometimes that can be working straight away in the morning. Sometimes it's reading, sometimes it's meditation. But, however, I actually... um, I'm doing like a 30 day of meditation every day, tick it off just to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Cause I realized from living in Sydney before I came here of how stressed Australia was making me and how I actually realized that my body was still very, very stressed from my ski accident subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't quite aware of that um, until pretty much I moved from Sydney and I realized like, holy shit, uh, my, my body's actually so stressed and I'm not realizing it mm-hmm. and it's not from work. It's actually still from my ski accident. So yeah. I think another part of like this healing journey is especially with big shit, like what we've gone through, especially the, like your fucking brain, that isn't something that's going to be fixed in six months. Yeah. That is a long process. Your, mm-hmm. your body thinks you're dying. You're under a lot of drugs, a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, and you have to give yourself compassion and time. And this is something that I need to give myself right now of compassion and time. And I feel like I need a good fucking cry after this interview. Like, fuck. 
Mm. I can't like God. I feel like going back to um, Beaver Creek and and the skiing again is going to be so emotional. Like it's going to be so fucking emotional. Yeah, and I mean that for me has been going back to Boulder. Yeah, and I've always right, had a pull okay. there, and my meditation teacher's been mm. there. And it's been a continuous place for me to learn things. Yeah. And it's, I've really started actually thinking the land when I'm there for what it's teaching me. Beautiful. Because I realized, I mean, I've gone through heartbreak there. I've gone through, so like, blood the highest <laughs> blood clot, but like also the highest memories. Yeah. Some of the best memories of my life have been there. And then, oh my God, isn't it funny? It's like those, wow, that just occurred the to me. highs and lows, like the peaks They're the, the same valleys. places. Exactly. And I think My that... My favorite memories are like Beaver Creek and skiing. And they also, not the worst memories, but the hardest times as well have been yeah. there. And I think, I believe that, you know, this land or wherever you are, there's always something mm. to be taught and learned. And it's just listening to it. And it took me so long to come to terms with that. I used to drive by the hospital and my t- my chest would tighten. And the hospital was down the street from my meditation yeah. teacher's house. Yeah. So I had to see it a lot and get over it. Yeah. And that in itself was like such a healing process of just real like understanding the memory and knowing that it was okay and like almost telling my inner child that it was going to be okay and that 100%. that wasn't the present moment or time, but it it has taken me years to get there, and it's I. It's funny because the hospital now is being shut down. Oh wow! Like it's already, It's like all. But I used to have dreams where I used to walk through there, and I would check on myself to make sure I was okay. And I talked to my teacher about it, and she was saying how I was pretty much changing my past by mm. doing that and going in with my subconscious mind yeah. or whatever, whatever is actually. I mean, it's all one thing. Yeah. But I was going in and I was actually changing my past and changing my history. Yeah. By letting myself know that everything was all okay. Yeah. Which was fascinating. I cannot wait for the podcast interview I do after my first ski day. Yes. I can't even imagine the feeling that I'm going to feel when I get down the first run. I will be in a fucking heat. Like, if I'm, like, crying now, I'm going to be a fucking mess. But it's going to be so amazing. Yeah. And I think it's really inspiring of how much you honor your body and not just your body, but like your mind, your spirit, your soul, you're honoring every single part of you and listening to that because you could have just gone the other way and not listened. But I think it's, it's, this is why you're here doing the work that you're doing is because people need to hear this and people need to know that they can heal themselves too. And that I think that, the whole reason why we have these experiences from that question that you asked me is because you sometimes have to teach yourself, especially if you're a healer, like Mm -hmm. you or me, like we're both definitely healers. Mm -hmm. And I, I truly believe like everyone's a healer, especially women. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have a womb. We are healers. Um, is that we have to heal ourselves. No one can do it for us. Yeah. And Part of that is receiving what's around us. Part Mm -hmm. of that is receiving the help. Part of that is receiving the love. And then the other part is like really believing in yourself and really believing that you will heal yourself even if it seems impossible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Should we end it there? (laughs) Yeah. That was so amazing. Thank you, Lexi. Thank you. That was so amazing. Okay. Amazing, right? A fucking amazing. I then we got we got off the I pressed pause and I just like bawled my eyes out, um, for her. But actually, it was it was actually this really healing experience for me in regards to my ski accident and just like the gratitude that I have for my body and for that time. And I don't think I ever actually fully mourned. I think I cried a lot about the pain and the frustration, but I didn't cry a lot about like my poor me, like poor me, poor my poor body. And you are sometimes allowed to have that victim for a moment and just be like, oh my God, and really feel that in your body because that crying, it is a release and it does feel good. It feels really good to cry sometimes. So I hope you loved that episode, ladies. I sure did. Um, And I hope you're loving all these cacao and convos. I really hope you are loving them. Have an amazing day. 
and I hope this hasn't like made you really sad this episode or anything um but I do hope that it was a beautiful thing that I got to share with you I'll talk to you soon well thank you so much for tuning in I hope that you got lots of chicken nuggets out of today's episode I would be really, really grateful if you'd be able to leave me a review and a star rating that you think is appropriate, hopefully five. And if you could share this podcast so that I can help more women live a life of flow and ease, I would be so fucking grateful. Make sure you tag me in it on Instagram so I can personally thank you because I know so many of my clients have found me literally because their friends have posted about my podcast on their Instagram story. And I just want to help as many women as possible. So by you sharing it, I would be so fucking grateful and I'm sure your friends would be too. If you do want to work with me, please do check out my website for all those details. And of course, you can DM me on Instagram with any other questions. If you have any podcast things you want me to talk about, any ideas, any feedback, I am always open to it and I always love hearing what you guys have to say. So please don't hesitate about that either. I will catch you on the flip side. Have an amazing day or night wherever you are.